Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome back. Afternoons on News Talk 770. We'll get back to the phones uh, in a bit here, 974-8255. We're taking some time each day right across uh, our various shows to focus on some of the issues in this election campaign. It's been a focus today on the issue of homelessness, whether the city's doing enough to address homelessness, maybe what more needs to be done. Uh, Just so happens that the School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary has released a new report uh, looking at where we're at in Calgary's 10-year plan to address homelessness. We're nearing the end of that 10-year cycle. Uh, it was 2008 the city embarked on this. Uh, so this latest uh, social policy trends report from the School of Public Policy the University of Calgary suggests we're making some progress. Uh, joining us on the line to talk more about this, Ron Nebone joins us, Director of Economic and Social Policy at the School of Public Policy, also Professor of Economics at the U of C. Ron, thanks for joining us here. Uh, you're welcome. Um, so what, what, do we, what data do we use to, to gauge how we're doing on homelessness? Um, well, we, there's, there are different sources of data. Um, I'll tell you one that we did not use in the report, but you can go back. It's useful because it goes back in time. So every year we do, uh, the homeless community does a point-in-time count where we count and we actually go out on the street and into shelters to count the number of people experiencing homelessness. And that shows that in as early as 1992 in Calgary, there are really relatively few people uh, using homeless shelters or experiencing homelessness. Throughout the 90s and the uh, 2000s, that increased dramatically, and it reached a peak around about 2008. Since 2008, as part of the plan to um, address homelessness, the agency started to collect much more detailed data, and that's what I present in this little report. We show daily uh, shelter use data by single adults since 2008 to just last May. Uh, so that's the data. So the, the broad history is from 1990 to about 2008, you had a dramatic increase in the number of people experiencing homelessness. Since then, since we introduced the policy to try to address homelessness, we've seen some reductions. Okay, that's interesting. Does this factor in? I mean, do we know on any given year how many people we have coming to Calgary, how many people are mm-hmm. leaving Calgary? Does that factor in? It does factor in. Uh, one of the unique um, characteristics of Calgary is that we're a job magnet. Uh, and during a economic boom, uh, people come to Calgary looking for work. But one of the things that they soon discover is that there are very few rental accommodations in Calgary, especially relative to other cities. And so people coming to Calgary seeking work find that they have no place to stay, and they often end up homeless. And when they end up in that situation, they end up often in homeless shelters. So strangely enough, an economic boom in Calgary causes a number of people using homeless shelters to go up. 
An economic recession does the opposite. When people when the recession comes, people stop coming to Calgary, stop ending up in shelters, and so it's actually good for shelter use. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, but in, in terms of actual progress being made, it, it does seem to you from the data that we've got less homelessness in Calgary, fewer people homeless than we did 10 years ago. Uh, that's the conclusion I've looked at. And when you look at the data, again, y- you want to interpret the data carefully. There's lots of different things you want to emphasize. One is I, I talk about a trend, and so I, I talk about the maximum number uh people using shelters in any given year, that has fallen quite dramatically. It's fallen by about a third since 2008. When we look at the data, we also want to pay attention to the fact that Calgary's grown a lot over the last 10 years. So the number of adults in Calgary's increased by 26%. So the potential for people to be touched by homelessness has also gone up. And if you make that adjustment, so now I'm looking at the number of people using shelters as a fraction of the population, that has decreased by 40%. So that's also progress. Um, eventually, what, what the graph really is showing is that we're heading downwards and we're heading towards this number we refer to as functional zero, which is the minimum number of people we can expect in Calgary to be using homeless shelters. So if there are fewer people homeless, what's become of them, right? What, what does a solution to homelessness look like? Does this mean people who have managed to turn them, their lives around, they found work or they found a place to live or we're doing a better job with, with affordable housing? What does it mean? Um, we're, the real number of factors that are coming into play here, um, one of them is that we've, the, uh, we have discovered that the best way of dealing with homelessness is to actually house people. That might sound like a shocking statement to you, but yeah. but the idea here is that uh, it used to be in the in the past that the belief was in order before I would house you, I needed you to deal with the issues that caused you to become homeless. Now the approach is something called housing first, where we decided that putting you into housing is the first step, and then we can help you deal with the issues that have caused you to be homeless. And that's turned out to be a very effective strategy. Um, The other thing that's happened is that there's been a concerted effort to increase the number of affordable housing units in Calgary. And that's part of uh, an ongoing effort coordinated by the Calgary Homeless Foundation, but also involving a lot of other social agencies to increase the stock of affordable housing so that people don't end up in shelters. Right, because, and, and you, we've talked about this before, uh, that the Calgary, when it comes to rent, uh, is, a, is an expensive city still. Yeah, that's the other thing that's really interesting to emphasize is that this progress that, we, that has been made has been made despite the fact that we're really swimming upstream here, that uh, a lot of things are working against this effort. So Calgary is the most expensive city in in Canada for someone with limited income. Um, We continue to deal with an opioid crisis. uh, That that doesn't help either. Um, The amount of income we provide to people on social assistance is also just very minimal. And so when you combine all these things, especially a very minimal level of income, uh, if you're a single adult in Alberta and you're on social assistance, you're receiving less than $8,000 a year. That's a year. Uh, and with high rents, it's not surprising you might end up on the street. So all this progress has been made despite the fact um, there's a lot of things been working against the effort.
Very interesting. Much more at policyschool.ca. Ron Kneebone, thanks for your time here. Appreciate it. You're welcome. That's uh, Ron Kneebone, Director of Economic and Social Policy at the School of Public Policy, UFC. He's also a professor. That's the word, Professor of Economics at the U of C. All right, 974-8255. We've got some more time for your calls here. We're going to check in with our producer, Andrea Montgomery, in a few minutes. She's got an interesting story to tell. I want to go back to the phones. I know some people have been waiting to talk more about the arena, and that includes uh, Shawish. Have I got that right? Uh, Either I don't have it right or he's he's not there. I'm not sure. But uh, let's try Chris. Chris, are you here? Hey, Chris. Yeah, I'm here. I guess my viewpoint on all of this, revolves more around what kind of a city are we? Are we the kind of city that leaves a massive contaminated area full of carcinogenic creosote in the heart of our city? And if the answer is yes, then for how long? 10 years, 50 years, 100 years? I mean, this this stuff causes cancer. From what I understand, it has seeped under the bow and into the Westmount area. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you said that you don't think that the location of the arena really has anything to do with that, but I think it does. A friend of mine was just telling me that she worked for Golder and Associates 28 years ago, one of her first jobs, and they were tasked to uh, find fish habitat uh, reclamation along the bow in that area. Mm-hmm. Nothing has been done since. There's been no cleanup, and I think the Flames proposal is what's needed as an impetus to actually clean this stuff up. Otherwise... Is it going to sit there for 100 years? Because we know the city's not going to do anything about it. So maybe that development area is the impetus that we need to clean up a massive environmental mess that the city kind of pretend doesn't exist. Well, I don't know that it's accurate to say that it doesn't exist. And we've been hearing about it and talking about it for years. There have been numerous studies done on this for years. Uh, and it includes the Alberta government as well. You can't take the province out of the equation. I understand all of that, right? but not, like I just said, nothing's been done. They're going to study it and talk about it and study it and talk about it. You know, and well, then but part she, of it is, look, I mean, go back to remember what, how long it took to get the whole situation at Linville, uh, Linville Ridge cleaned up with the, uh, the contamination there, Linview Ridge. That took a long time, too, but at least you finally had Imperial Oil come to the table uh, and offer some, some contribution and some compensation. I think where there's, there's been a logjam here is to say, look, there's a company that was responsible for this. This is on them. The company's saying that, well, as we exist now, we're not technically the same company that existed then, so it's not our problem. And that's one of the reasons why this has been at an impasse. Right. And, I, and I'm fully aware of that, and I understand all of it. But that's been going on. I mean, this contamination happened 60 years ago, 50 years ago. So to, to, it's a little disingenuous to say that they aren't uh, thinking about it because it's not on the, you know, I haven't, I haven't, the Flames Arena deal, I haven't heard of this mentioned, and even McMahon Stadium mentioned once. And it's very funny to me that Nenshi was the big proponent of the tunnel to nowhere up at the uh, airport which, you know, we all know how that goes with governments. They say it's going to... My standard uh, calculation on government spending is whatever they say it's going to cost, double it and add 10%, and that's what we saw at the tunnel, plus it's going to cost another 300 or 400 million to connect that tunnel to another road. So it's funny how they pick and choose, and that's only a certain amount of people that, that use that, and only a certain amount of people that are going to use the library. I'm not going to, ever. Uh, but I don't mind paying my tax dollars to it. So I, I guess my point is, what kind of a city are we going to be? They start they start a fight pitting, you know, they call them millionaires. Those guys contribute a lot to our economy. 
Okay, but it's a negotiation, right? It has to be a negotiation. It's not as though the Flames show up and say, here's the deal, and you're going to say yes, right? Oh, absolutely. And I understand it's a negotiation. But you also don't want to tick off the guys when you start walking around with John Cornish telling everybody about your vision. Like he's king of Calgary all of a sudden. I always thought he had said one vote, but it's his vision, apparently. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But, I mean, they're walking a very fine line here. We can't get too cocky about this. Uh, there's a lot of cities where teams have left, and everybody thought there was no way they were going to leave. So that's all I'm saying. They contribute a lot of money. But, again, if that's not the answer to the cleanup of the creosote, then what is? Okay, but here's the thing. Let it sit there. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is an impetus. But the, the end result is that we still got to pay for the cleanup, and we still got to pay for an arena, right? Absolutely. So it's not, it's not saving us money to build it there. No. No, I realize that, but my point is, is the impetus. Otherwise, I can tell you what, Rob, in 10 years, you and I will be having the same conversation and nothing will get done. Well, I don't know. We'll see, Chris. But, I mean, that's a fair point. Appreciate the call. The, the creosote issue has been a problem there for a long time. A long time. And it is going to have to be dealt with eventually, we think. Unless maybe it can't, right? Maybe it just comes down to how much can we contain it and we just write off that part of, of the city. I don't know. But I don't think there's a clear answer. That's part of the problem. All right, 974-8255. Got to take a quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.